The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. There's a lot up in the air about where the Texans go from here. There are reports that uh, your quarterback, uh, Deshaun Watson, has requested a trade. There's also speculation that I heard that you could be traded. How do you process that kind of chatter and those rumors? And do you pay attention? Uh, I process it by going to Hawaii for a week, and uh, <laughs> I probably should have stayed there. <laughs> I probably should have stayed. It was great. Everyone's uh, some, you know, lava flows. The, the, new, the word doesn't get to Hawaii? No, no, no. We, uh, the word in Hawaii was Manapua, and we were enjoying my ties by the pool. So uh, that yeah. was a good way for me to cope with it, and I might just head back there. That clip gave me a flashback. Christopher, he gave me a flashback because back in June or July, I interviewed J.J. Watt and he was sitting in that exact same spot. So it was me in July and it was Jimmy Fallon last night. And all I can say is, oh, how the the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Oh, how the mighty have fallen. No, I think J.J. upgraded on interviewers. Yeah, obviously. Yes, thank you. Obviously. J.J. and I are uh simpatico now there was a time where you weren't we had a we had a yeah there was a time where we weren't but now we are but let's not go back down that i'm road, really i'm really we? shocked someone was a uh, uh, you 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 ruffled some feathers of a football player or somebody in the nfl i'm surprised so what'd you do mike what'd you do to jj let me hear wait you don't know this story i don't i don't think i do I, do we really want to get into this right out of the gates on a Thursday? Well, we don't have to, but now I feel well, like we uh, have well, to. Uh, what the hell? Let's do it. There was a there was a there was a time when uh, I needled JJ for, I think it was during the World Cup, one of the years when they were playing the soccer, you know, games, right. matches, That's whatever. What I'm, sorry, I'm so, right. sorry, London, yeah, sorry, sorry, London. Sorry, London. He I doesn't need to pay show attention more to this football. National yeah. sport, but but. The U.S. men's national team had sent J.J. a shirt and he was wearing it during the game and he took a picture of himself wearing it and he put it on social media. And the only problem is the shirt would have been tight on me. So I made some comment about that and he responded and it kind of went downhill from there. There we go. Mr. Old Snarky comment over here. We've come a long way since then. Which gives me hope, frankly, that somehow, some way, and someday, I'll reach Aaron Rodgers. It'll happen. It maybe, maybe. I, can only, I don't know. I can only hope. You might have taken a step back hope. in that relationship this week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little. <laughs> it's a little. Rocky. It's like it's up and down. It's like GameStop <laughs> stock right now. Although instead of this, it's this. But yeah. we're trying to level it out. Hey, so um, just on JJ Watt, real quick. I mean, just because we 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 saw him and we're talking about him I do I do feel like it's like kind of like just inevitable that he won't be a Houston Texan I mean doesn't it just seem that way with the way the year ended and even that talk right there that we'll see him on another team next year 
I think we'll see him on another team next year. The yeah. question is, which team will he be united with? Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that would be great. And maybe, maybe I can use. Well, for, he's from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? If you're a Packers fan, yeah. don't you sit up and lean forward when you hear somebody saying maybe J.J. Watt's going to play for the Packers? I sure as hell would. Sure. And maybe he can be my liaison, my go-between. <laughs> yeah. He good can luck, be the guy. Good luck. What? We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Right. As soon as he gets hey. too close, I'm going to send him that, you know, that tweet and everything of him in a tight shirt and you making fun of him again. And we'll see where it goes. Hope <laughs> is free. I I am cheap and hope is free. Good. I, I think I got a new T-shirt slogan. So anyway, uh, I, yeah, I don't think I'll be back. I'm fascinated by the possibility of all three Watt brothers playing for the Steelers. I like that That'd very much. And I think J.J. Watt would be a natural in black and gold with the Steeler helmet, with the logo on one side. I'd still like to know. Maybe at some point I knew the whole story of why there's only a logo on one side. It's, oh, I just, it's a neat fashion statement. Like, yeah, we don't need two. They they know who we are. I, what, we I always thought it was like. We don't like need two of them. The one side represented just like the steel. I don't even know. That's really what I, I thought. Don't I don't know the meaning of it either. You're right. We should probably look Any, that up. Anybody out there who knows it, just go ahead and. And uh, do a at Pro Football Talk and at C Sims QB two right. M's two S's but they're not next to each other QB on Twitter and tell us why the Steelers only have a logo on one side. Maybe it was just like a cost thing. Like we really don't need two. We just need one. I, Who knows? I don't All know. Right. Yeah, I can't remember. I feel like I know the answer. I just can't remember it right now. At you know seven oh five on Thursday morning right now. And and folks, here, here's the thing. We're kind of at the low point of news this week so we can just kind of riff and talk about whatever we want to talk about for as long as we want to talk and pete's not saying anything pete's like man i'm glad these guys are talking about all sorts of irrelevant crap because oh he's actually looking he's he's looking, he's looking up the answer up. he wants the prize the prize is nothing pete but please keep striving for it okay uh anyway good morning it's pft live if you haven't figured that out already we're on peacock we are on Sirius XM 211, NBCSN, and Sky Sports NFL, 7 o'clock in primetime. Also, hello to the podcast audience. Uh, let's get to it. As first reported, as far as I can tell, and I really haven't done anything to dispute it, Shereen Williams of PFT broke the news last night that David Whoa. Culley, yes, David Culley, C-U-L-L-E-Y, in case you want to Google who the hell is David Culley, he is the new head coach of... The Houston Texans. It hasn't been announced. They're working on a deal. I don't know how hard of a bargain you drive when you're 65 years old. You've never even been a coordinator. You've never been mentioned as a potential head coach of any NFL team. If they come to you and say, we want you to be the head coach, I just think you sign a blank page and let them fill in all the other stuff later. Well, pretty much. I mean, well, first off, I mean, this just out of total like left field, right? I, I just feel like we never even heard through the rumorville that David Cully was involved in this or had a legit chance to be the head coach of any football team, let alone the Houston Texans or anything like that. That's where it was shock- shocking. You know, I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I know a whole lot about David Cully. I know some people that know him. I know of him, but yeah, I don't know. You know, he hasn't been a coordinator. He's never really been in the spotlight. He does have a good track record, no doubt about it. Uh, but there's definitely some interesting things about the hire and interesting angles to kind of unpack here with David Culley altogether. Uh, I do find it interesting just right off the bat, though, that Houston does hire a guy that, yeah, no coordinator experience, a guy that knows how to mini manage a football game, manage people and be that type of guy. You could see here, you know, working for Andy Reid and John Harbaugh, uh, that, that to me deserves its own little medal, you know, on your jacket anyways. It, it, <laughs> well, and I mean that in a good way. It just that. <laughs> no, you, no, but I, I I know, I know. But, but yeah, especially John Harbaugh. Look, I love yeah, John Harbaugh. It, right. He's a great it's, coach. It's tough. But, it's tough. But yeah. when they keep you around and they like you and everything like that too, it's like a medal of honor. And, and you, you know, they're not the type of people that are going to call organizations and always, you know, just speak all the great things about a guy and do that. So there's a good track record there. And I, the other thing I like is, hey, when you talk about managing people, he's an ex-wide receiver coach. And man, my experience, maybe other than like the weight coach, right? The wide receiver coach has some of the best people skills in the NFL and, and, and certainly some teams I was on because they got to manage that room, those guys, 
who were always the greatest athletes on every sport they ever played growing up, and they want the ball every play, and they're open every play, and he has the ability to deal with that. That tells you he has the ability to deal with anybody, really. Yeah, especially the receiver room in Baltimore <laughs> yeah, currently. Right. Right. Talk about trying to keep the toothpaste in the tube. I'm not going to let you filibuster your way past something that you've now said twice, and I just want to make sure, because the first time you said it, I think it was last week, I let it go. Yeah. I think you're saying rumor mill. Are you saying rumorville? Are you making a word up? I, I think I might be, yeah. Yeah, I might have said rumorville. Okay. I don't I, even know. Okay. Uh, yes, I know it's yeah, rumor mill, but I might have said yeah. rumorville, which I, I kind of like it. I, I like yeah. it. I think we got something there. Why do we need a mill when we can be in the whole mill of rumors? <laughs> I think that's the way to go. <laughs> Listen, when you said it the first time, it was like, I was like, did he say, did he, ah, what the hell? Let's just go with it. But I, I thought maybe it was just, you know, you misspoke, and, but now we, we've established Rumorville. Right. Maybe I need to change the name of the primary destination at PFT. It's Rumorville, not Rumor Mill. All right, let's, <laughs> let's keep figuring out yeah. how David Cully is going to fit in Houston. The, look, there's a theory out there already, and, and let's give him his props before we get to that. He's 18 years with Andy Reid. Yes. A generation with Andy Reid. Right. Okay. There's value in that. Now, you could ask yourself, why did he never become a coordinator with Andy Reid? What, what, what was the impediment there, right? Brad Childress, for crying out loud, was once deemed sufficiently skilled by Andy Reid to be his offensive coordinator. And that bar, friends, if you followed the Vikings from 2006 through 2010 until they fired him, that's not a high bar, all due respect, sorry, coach, but uh, but yeah, I, I'd want to know why did he never, why did he never progress upwardly in any of these jobs? He got the assistant head coach title with the Ravens, which right. is an important role to sure. have. Right, a trusted confidant of the head coach, yep. a guy who, in many instances, is the one responsible for getting the coach to not give in to whatever that thing is that he wants to do when he's mad, right? That's what the assistant head coach says. You talk them out of that thing that they want to do because someone has pissed them off. Sorry, London. So there's value there too. I mean, there is. Th look, and, and what's the, we've already kind of come at it from both angles when it comes to people skills. What's going to be the number one challenge for David Culley? Well, once that, he's that's right. That's where that's where you just go. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's about Deshaun Watson, and how much of this you know has to do with that. I mean, you got to think there is something there. And of course, he worked with Lamar. Does Deshaun know something about David Culley through Lamar? Did he say something to the Texans about him? But I, that's the first thing I thought of too, Mike. That little connection there, you know, where okay, Deshaun can call somebody and ask about. Hey, what's this David Cully like? And then, yes, the next thing is, you know, a a uh, a a minority, a black coach getting hired by the Texans. That's a good thing, and obviously, a really good communicator and people skills, like you said. So that that all I would think is going to try to help the Deshaun Watson situation. One thing that that stands out on his resume recently, David right. Culley was the first quarterbacks coach, yeah. position coach right. for Josh Allen right. in Buffalo, but he was only in that position one year before he went to the Ravens to become the assistant head coach, receivers coach, and passing game coordinator. He got Tyrod Taylor, right? And then the next right. year was Josh Allen, right? Right, right. So I – you know, you're finally starting to get an uptick. You're starting to move closer to the coordinator path by becoming a quarterback's coach. What happened there? And look, it doesn't matter. The Texans are going to hire him. They've done their due diligence. They've gone down whatever rabbit hole they need to go down and come to the conclusion he's the guy. But those are the things that, that would make me curious if I were trying to figure out why position coach, position coach, receiver coach – gets the quarterback coach assignment with the Bills. Two years later, he's back to receiver coach. I just would be curious because it yeah. wasn't that long ago. It's not like it's something that happened in the 90s. It's something that happened just a couple of years ago. But, you know, job number one, smoothing things over with Deshaun Watson. Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle had a story recently once Cully's name started to gain some traction that Cully and Deshaun last year at the Pro Bowl developed a friendship because yeah. the Ravens coaching staff handled that game. And uh, that there could be value there. At least there's a starting point. You right. know, at least 
at least Cully may have the opportunity to pierce through the hard shell that Deshaun Watson has tried to erect over the course of the last month to keep anyone from trying. Like, I've made up my mind, don't sure. even try, because if you try, you may be successful. So don't even try. I don't want to talk about it, because if we talk about it, maybe I'll change my mind. So that's job number one. He's got to pierce through that shell, and he's already got the connection, and, and that's what's going to be interesting. Next step, Cully, Deshaun. Right. What can they do to get him back on the right track? And if Cully can convince Watson to stay, he's already 1-0. Definitely. Well, that would be the, the biggest victory uh, for sure. I mean, for that whole organization, that would be huge. I mean, just the way it looks right now. Uh, and, you know, again, the other thing, okay, do that. And then what are we going to do at the offensive coordinator position here going forward? Because I don't expect David Cully to be – I know he was a pass game coordinator – and he did that a little bit for Andy Reid as well. But like you said, he hasn't done that. I can't imagine he's going to be trying to become a first-time coordinator and a first-time head coach all here in, the, in one big swoop. So I am interested to see where it goes that way. But They're keeping Tim Kelly. That's they, where it goes. Okay. They're keeping, they, okay. They wouldn't let him leave. That's good. He's still under contract. Right. He's the coordinator. And, and it's Cully, Kelly, Josh McCown, watch for him to be the quarterback's coach. Okay, that of the Houston that's Texans. That's a good connection. I like that. I like that's that's a good room right there. And and Cully's yeah. sixty five. Right, right. Watch for Josh McCown to be the next head coach of the Texans after Cully retires, whenever that may be. Write that down now. It wasn't McCown being interviewed for head coach twenty twenty. McCown interviewed for head coach 2020X, right? At right. some point between now and 2030, that's when Josh McCown becomes the head coach. As long as Jack Easterby continues to keep Cal McNair under whatever spell he's got him under, I think that's how it's going to play out. Okay. Well, uh, listen, I like that. That's a that's a, a good plan, at least look into the future to a degree. I mean, I don't know if it's really going to you know come to fruition and, and really unpack that way. But either way, I like the hire. I like where their mind is at uh, all together. And for a team right now where we're talking about, like, you know, the most dysfunctional team of the offseason, right, them or the Eagles and everything that's gone on, that's, that's all we've talked about is issues and what the hell's going on in those two places. To bring a guy in like this, is he seems just from the outside, and like I said, a guy who doesn't know him all that well, and I don't know that many people that do know him. So I don't have inside info here or anything like that. But I think it is a good look that they got somebody who knows how to talk and communicate and get the organization healed and back on the same page together, you know, where they had a guy like Billy O'Brien who was just a, you know, he was a true football coach, X's and O's, this is what we're going to do. And he was trying to also do the GM stuff. Now you got a guy who could just go, wait, I'm the coach. Let me manage the players. Let me talk about the game plan. Casario can worry about, you know, the draft and free agent. And from all those things, it, it really does make sense. It does. Uh, we'll see how good of a coach he is. I don't know about all of that. But either way, I think what they're doing makes sense to me. With O'Brien, I thought you were going to say X's and O's and F-bombs. <laughs> lots of F-bombs, right. Pretty much Billy O'Brien, but which is fine. That's pretty much every college and pro football coach. Right. It's the exception to not be that way. Here's the other side of it, too. David Culley is going to be so grateful to culminate his coaching career after all these years in a head coaching job in the NFL, one of the 32 most coveted jobs in all of sports. He's going to show gratitude. He is not going to try to come in and take over to wrest control or influence or authority from Nick Casario to say, Jack Easterby, get the hell out of my locker room because push comes to shove. Easterby says, to David Culley, David, you don't have this job without me. You don't have this job without me. So I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Are we okay with that? In fact, it never needs to be said, right? You get Eric Bieniemy in there, and Eric Bieniemy's first order of business may be to say, get this guy the hell away from my team. I don't need him talking to my team. I don't want him talking to my team. I'm the one who's going to be talking to my team. So there is a dynamic of gratitude there that will be very real, and it will prompt David Culley to go along. You want this job, right? No one else has ever interviewed David Culley to be a head coach. You want this job? It's implied. You go along with the structure that's in place, and you don't try to change it. You try 
to conform to it. That's one of the reasons why he's getting the job, I believe. Well, I, I don't I don't doubt that. I mean, we don't know that, but I don't doubt that. He doesn't seem like he's a, you know, a political animal that way or certainly has done, you know, nothing. He'd have been a coordinator somewhere by now if he was. Exactly. That's what I mean. You know, he's not even on our radar. So he's not he doesn't try to play those games. And I think that's, you know, another thing, Mike, it's a good point where you just bring up too, where, you know, that's why he was an assistant head coach to guys like Andy Reid and John Harbaugh, because they knew they could trust him. And they knew that he was, you know, looking out for their best interest, like you said, like an extra pair of like, hey, you're not the head coach, you're the assistant head coach. So you're watching everything. And in doing that, you know, you have a big overview of even me as the head coach. And if you think I'm doing something wrong or something like that, you know, and to get those you know, kind of votes of confidence from guys like Andy Reid and John Harbaugh, that's that's huge. I mean, you know, the, 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 those those are two organizations in two places where, you know, Andy Reid, whether it was Kansas City or Philadelphia, I know there was the McNabb-TO thing, but, man, the teams were always together on the same page. We, ever, we never really felt like there was issues in an Andy Reid football team. Everything was fighting for the same common goal as I drool over myself here. But the same thing with the Ravens, and I think there's something to be said about that with this hire too. You're allowed to drool all over yourself. Just don't get caught on camera picking your nose. <laughs> Terrell Owens was one of David Cully's students. Right. David of all, I mean, Think about that. Of all, of all the right. things David Cully has been through, yep. he lived through and survived – and continued to coach for 15 <laughs> years thereafter after dealing with the Terrell Owens mess right. in Philadelphia. So, and and Chris, look, I, I'm, I'm going to try to look at this as a glass half full thing. Yeah, I don't want to be completely cynical right. and negative about the dysfunction in Houston. They may have, through their dysfunction, tripped into a good solution unwittingly. In the NFL... And I assume it's this way in other sports, but the NFL has been my backyard for the last 20 years. In the NFL, there are people who will bust their butts to promote themselves, and they get themselves in position for advancement. And then there are guys who just go about their job, and they focus on their job, and they focus on loyalty, and they focus on work, and they focus on not trying to promote themselves, and they just assume that good things will happen. And sometimes they don't because at some level, when there's only 32 teams and 32 head coaching jobs and 32 general manager jobs, you've got to promote yourself. Yeah, you have you've to. got to step out of, out of that shell. And maybe David Culley just isn't wired to try to promote himself, to try to bring attention to himself, right. to try to inject his name into the you know uh, agent I don't even know if he has an agent, but not calling reporters saying, hey, you need to start paying attention to my guy. Yeah, here. Right, Maybe right. you should mention him once or twice. Yeah. Maybe you should do a little story on him. You know, that's how the sausage gets made. Agents very aggressively promote their clients. And either David Culley's agent hasn't promoted him or David Culley has told his agent, I don't play the game that that's, way. That's yeah. not how that's not right. I don't feel right doing that. That could be a win for the Texans if that level of character, if it's authentic, if it's real, and if that's what he brings into the locker room, they may have found yeah. the proverbial needle in the haystack. Hopefully. I mean, I you know, I love to see guys like this get a head coach, you know, head coaching job and get a chance in the NFL. These are true NFL lifers who were in it because they love it being their life, not because I'm trying to, you know, climb the ladder in a hurry and get a quick money grab and get the hell out of here or something like that. No, you're right. And Mike, I mean, to get to that job and, and those things, yeah, not only is it, you know, through the agent, but as we know, it's connecting through people to the media too. And, oh, you know, whatever it is to try to well, put in the good word for me, do something like that. Yeah, he had no interest in doing that. And I'm like, we've talked about this a lot lately. I'm excited to see a hire like this and Dan Campbell, um, you know, and, and even even Robert Sala, where it's just a little bit about more of, you know, being a leader of men, managing a football team, seeing where that goes. I, you know, again, I think it's refreshing to a degree. And I'm hoping there can be some success here. So where we're not always into the, you know, we got to get the young offensive coordinator thing every year. You know, there's been too many good teams through time built this way, too. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for David Culley and the Texans. And, and as a fan, I want to see how this plays out.
You mentioned Dan Campbell. I am willing to place the over-under at David Culley's introductory press conference 0.5 mentions of biting off body parts of opponents, <laughs> and I'll take the under, hard <laughs> on the under for that one. Um, so we now have a situation where the coaching carousel has stopped spinning seven new coaches. They're all first-time hires. Amazing. No recycled coaches here. You've got a former college head coach, obviously, in Urban Meyer. He was the first one. But all of these other guys, and it's a it's a, a vast range of age, from 65 down to 38, I believe, is the youngest, although Nick Sirianni may be even younger. He's the one guy that I don't know anything about. That just kind of, like, happened. That was like that random clap of thunder yeah. that you hear on a sunny day. But And it was here and it was gone. And, they, I mean, really, what fanfare? It's just like, oh, they're hiring Nick Sirianni. What? And then we move on to the next thing. Yeah, well, it, you know, they, they. what day was that last week? I don't know why it kind of just got washed away. Was that was that Friday? Or is that the one that came I out? I think it's as we were, we were focused on, on the conference on the championship, championship, championship game. game right. And we just kind of shrugged, like, what in the hell are they doing? Right. Well, I, I will say this. In league circles, Nick Sirianni, is, he, he's a rising star as far as an offensive mind and a game planner and those type of things. You know, even last year – uh, in last offseason, I heard his name from quite a few people about, ooh, watch this guy, you know, we thought about him, all those type of things. So uh, I think there is great excitement for him, and I've been a big fan of that Colts offense. I am. I mean, both of it, the run game, the pass game, it's always creative, you know, the last few years, and it's been diverse too to where I don't just watch one game and go, okay, here's now it's the next week. Let me look at those same type of plays. And no, they always find different ways to do things and a few new wrinkles where I go, oh, I've never seen them do that. That's pretty cool. So I, I think Sirianni's one of those guys that, you know, yeah, it may be a little early or whatever, but a year or two from now, he was going to be in this mix and, and is a rising star at the, at the offensive mind and head coach here. Sirianni is 39, so 39. he's older than Arthur Smith and Brandon Staley. That's ordinarily something Pete would have told me by now, but he's still trying to figure out why there's only one logo on the Steelers' helmet, so we may <laughs> not hear from Pete again for the duration. Oh, he knows. You oh, know? He, well, he's what? Tell the us. Answer. No, well, well, I, I think uh, oh, Pete, he's Pete, teasing? Pete, wants, Pete wants to stretch it out a little bit because because we're, we're having a good conversation here about David Culley and the new head coaches. Eric Bieniemy, not a good conversation for him. Shut out again. And on one of the – I think it was one of the – a playoff game, pregame shows, I said that Eric Bieniemy has resigned himself to the fact that he's not getting a head coaching job this cycle, and he's telling people that he's just fine waiting for the perfect opportunity. I don't know when the perfect opportunity is going to come if no opportunity is coming for him. Now three years as the coordinator of the Andy Reid offense. As Coach Dungey joked yesterday on Football Pod in America, you know, the headline may be Andy Reid has lost his touch because he's got a long history of hiring coordinators who become head coaches. Hey, Ra Andy, what's wrong? You hired a coordinator who's not good enough to become a head coach. You hired the wrong guy, apparently. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I don't get it. I don't. I really don't. You know, it's you look at – I know Andy Reid's there, but you look at what he's done, you know, with a young quarterback, with some – personalities that aren't always easy to deal with there in Kansas City. Not that they're bad, but we've seen, you know, little incidents here and there. We've seen him push in Travis Kelsey on the sideline or Kelsey yell at him, all of those type of things. He handles it, you know, with gold stars. Anytime you see an NFL Films thing and he's mic'd on the sideline, I love the way he talks. You look at the offense and I know Andy Reid is there, but it's evolved over the last few years too. It's it's changed. We it was Bobby bombs away and Patrick Mahomes throwing bombs everywhere. And the whole every defensive football started to go, "Whoa, let's back up." And now they have this offense we watched the other night in the AFC Championship game where fine, we could still throw for 350 yards and we don't even have to throw a ball past 10 yards. I mean, he threw like one or two balls past 15 or 20 yards the whole game. So he he's ahead of the curve. He's an outside the box thinker. He's creative. I don't get the Eric Bieniemy thing. I mean, you and I have heard some of the same rumors about him being raw and just not as political that way. Uh, but that's that's it. It's still it's amazing to me. We are just two years removed from the running gag being if you've ever ridden an elevator with Sean McVay, you're a head coaching candidate in the NFL. You think about what Eric Bieniemy has been an integral part of for the last three years. One of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. He's been right in the thick of it 
working with those players, learning how to deploy weapons in an effective way, dealing with the challenges. When do you ever hear a member of the Chiefs' offense complain? That's I know he's not getting the ball enough. Right, right, right. I know. And Eric Bieniemy is part of the structure that keeps that from happening. Exactly. I know. That's I. It's it's I. It's amazing to me. It really is. And and you know. Obviously, some of the guys that have come out underneath, you know, Andy Reid, Peterson, Nagy, this has been more impressive than than those guys as far as what he's done on the offensive side of the ball. You know, that's where it just it, it seems odd. I can't believe it. I really can't. I thought this year for sure was the year for Eric Bieniemy. Um, but we're gonna wait till next year. Yeah, I I uh I don't get it and I even like, I like even this past, oh, go ahead. I was just to say, even ahead. look what go they're ahead. doing right now. Like, look what they're doing in the games right now. Like, again, you know, I go back and watch that film a little deeper, like the last two days for my podcast yesterday. You know, pass protection's an issue, like we talked about, right? Both tackles are hurt right now. It's four of their five starting linemen from the start of the year aren't there. You know, they don't blink an eye. They don't even hear about it. And 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 then they reorganize their offense. Then again to go. Okay, we don't have great protection. We'll find a million different ways to make it to where our O line doesn't really have to protect protect in the traditional sense. Let's sprint them out this way and sprint them out that way and sprint them out this way and throw it back this way and let's get underneath the center and run play action pass because that slows down the pass rush. That that's where I'm just I'm I'm amazed. I don't know how you can't watch Kansas City film and see this guy talk and the way he manages people on the sidelines and just go, I want this guy. Like this guy looks like he's a head coach and knows how to talk to people and knows offense. That's 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 where I'm amazed. And the people who just shrug and say, Well, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's not just Patrick Mahomes. It's not, hey Patrick, go make something happen, go draw something up in the dirt in the huddle. You have to take full advantage of that special weapon and use it the right way, and that's what the Chiefs have done. It's yes. all about maximizing the skills and abilities right. of the players you have. Yes, they have a highly skilled player, but still, Eric Bieniemy has helped maximize the skills and abilities he has. Here's my theory. my And this is just basic billionaire privilege mentality. I think that the NFL's owners don't like the idea that – a bunch of us are trying to tell them what to do. I feel like at some level, there's natural resistance to it. And this is a basic aspect of human nature. Sometimes we don't like people telling us what to do. And I think the more money and influence and power we acquire, we reside in that bubble of, sure. I'll figure out what's right for me. I don't need you telling me what to do. And the last thing I'm going to do is create the impression that I surrendered to the mob. Right. I'm not surrendering to the mob that's saying hire Eric Bieniemy now. Well, maybe. I mean, I I don't doubt that some of that goes on with some of the owners. Definitely. Um, you know, and the other thing too, which is which is interesting because we're talking about David Coley and his lack of you know being a, pol a politician to get these type of jo jobs. You know, Bieniemy's like that too. He's he's just a real football coach. I don't ever hear any stories from anybody I know in football about Biennemi angling himself or he's been trying to do this or that or anything like that, which I would think is even more of a badge and honor to, to hire a guy. Like, that's the kind of guy you want to be your head coach. He's not into that bullcrap nonsense. He just wants to coach football. Um, and, and, but, Mike, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think there's a lot of factors here, but uh, none of them make sense to me. And, and the fundamental problem is most of these owners are making the decision with input from individuals who are more inclined to play the game with people who play the game. Yeah, that's right. 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 That's that's right. That's the thing that that keeps the owners from realizing this is who I need to hire. Yeah. Because. The owner got hires a guy that helps in your front office. Right. Yeah. Right. The owner. You've guy, got politicians yeah. in your front office who who are looking for other politicians who are of the same political mindset, have the same agent, have the same connections, understand how to mutually scratch each other's backs. That's that's where I think it's hard for someone like Eric Bieniemy, David Cully, Bruce Arians, Mike Zimmer to crack through, 
because the people who are close to the owner are playing that game and the owner doesn't quite realize that they're the ones who are being deprived of great coaching candidates because there's this broader game that's playing out. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. That's part of the politics of football. I mean, politics have become very big in football. It's a very political league now. It, it transforms, I want to say, somewhere where I feel like 15, 16 years ago. I, I can remember just certain people going, man, you know, like my my playing career. Oh, this league's not the same as when your dad's here. Man, a lot of things have changed. Oh, you know, those type of things. And it, it's just part of the game now. And it's unfortunate. It really is. Hey, I saw my buddy Kyle Shanahan, you know, him do a lot of great things on the offensive side of the ball. He was not a political guy at all. He wasn't going to call and do anything. And it took like just a year of unbelievable offense and a quarterback who's not really an MVP caliber off, uh, MVP caliber quarterback to have that year. And everyone went, whoa, he's kind of good. Maybe we should hire him as a head coach. What? He was good the seven years before that, too. It just, I, I don't know what had to hit you in the face there. It just goes on in the NFL sometimes. And there is, there's too many political connections and loopholes and people who are connected that way. And there's only 32 coaching jobs, only 32 GM jobs, and a certain number of these executive VP slash whatever the title is to allow the person to take credit when things go well and avoid all blame when things go poorly. The Jack Easterby position is what we'll just call it from now on. And that all undermines and dilutes the ability of the owner to make good decisions. And it's fun. It's fun for us. It gives us things to really sink our teeth into other than our opponent's kneecaps let's take a break when we return we're just 10 days away from the super bowl and there's oh, there it is oh oh, oh 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 seriously just take that down i'm trying to cultivate i'm trying to cultivate my own relationship with jj Watt. oh wait great i'm very I mean, disappointed uh way to go pete and i mean what, what why what would what would make you mess with a guy that looks like this in a t-shirt you know, I mean, he and then you're, and then you're passive he doesn't, aggressive. He doesn't comments. know where I live. Why does everyone <laughs> always want to talk about me? I'm just minding my own business and seeking no attention at all. Wow, what a jerky, snarky comment that was. The guys tried I, to give love to a soccer team. They sent it to him. They autographed things. He had a great comment to you, too. A great comeback. I, I know, I know. And I may have responded as well. I don't know when it ended, but we have mended fences. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Oh, there's <laughs> PFT Comrade got caught in the middle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, guys. Guys, uh, yeah, let's go to break. Uh, well, Ten days to Super Bowl 55, and we already have some bulletin board material unrelated to past incidents between me and J.J. Watt. We'll be right back. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. Kansas City Chiefs in red again for the second straight year. How can that be? Here's how it be. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the home team, literally and via the rotation that happens, odd years the NFC's the home team, even years the AFC's the home team, they get to pick the jersey. The Buccaneers have chosen white. So 
the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, and that's a good-looking red jersey it with is. the Super Bowl yeah. 55 patch on it. But uh, apparently it comes down to something as simple as Tom Brady is 4-1 when wearing a white jersey in the Super Bowl. So that's okay. why they're wearing a that, white jersey. That, I mean, that's that's the stands. That's that's what we know is it's really just come down to that. I mean, uh, which, which you know, I want to go like, well, they are 1-0 in Super Bowls they were actually in, the Buccaneers, in a red jersey. Um, the other thing I thought of is, I guess what? Also, you probably think about the matchup earlier this season, right? And the Bucks were probably wearing red on that game. I didn't look it up, but maybe we could figure that out here. As in a second, I'll check on my own computer. But, but I would think that probably plays into it too. Wait, we want we want we lost in the red jerseys at home. Let's change it up and wear the white ones this time. See if it brings a little bit better luck to us. I, I mean, that's the way coaches think, and I'm sure the Brady thing is a factor in this too. Also, yeah. also. They, they've been on the road the entirety sure. of the right. postseason. Now, now Washington, I believe, was white on white yeah, for that were. game in the wild card round, so the Bucks didn't wear white then. But I, I remember two other instances beyond Brady because the Patriots in Super Bowl 52 were the home team. They chose to wear white because of this whole Brady and white dynamic. Um, Super Bowl 50, the Broncos, who had lost when they'd worn dark, one, when they wore white, they wore, or especially for Elway, Elway yeah. was unlucky in dark and lucky in white. Elway went with the white jersey. They had the choice. They wore white in Super Bowl 50 and they won. And in Super Bowl 40, the Steelers, as the AFC representative were the home team, they chose to wear white because they had gotten there the hard way. The three wins on the right. road right. and three wins in their white jerseys. So, I, you know what? If that's the case with Brady, why don't they just wear white all the time at home all the time right just well, choose to they, wear white i think they wore white and in tampa usually they do wear white early on in the year because it, it can be so hot down there to where you make the other team wear the dark jerseys uh that is something that goes on but yeah i i hear you uh but that, that's that's cool it's a little change up i'm excited for that i'm always excited to see the jerseys for the super bowl unveil unveiled you know, the field itself, those are things I'm excited for right now. What's the field look like with the new paint job and the perfect grass and all those type of things? And, uh, yeah, I think we could see a real exciting game for sure. And as it relates to superstitions regarding uniforms, Pete has found the answer to why the Steelers have only one helmet decal on their headgear. When the team introduced a new design they had gold helmets. Actually, they were yellow. I've got one downstairs. One of the mini ones. I kind of, I, I hate them and I like them. That yellow helmet. There it is. There's yeah. the. Oh God. It's so, so ugly. It looks good. They, they didn't know how it would look. They put the decal on one side for a test run, and in 1962, they finished nine and five, qualified for the playoffs. It was their best season in franchise history. They'd been around 30 years at that point, and then. What they did for their first ever playoff game, they switched the helmet to black. It stayed black ever since, but they stayed with the one decal because they thought the one decal was lucky in some way. I like they it. They never went to two decals because of that. So now we know. And it's amazing. I mean, I've lived in and around Pittsburgh my entire life, and I never knew that. So thank you, Pete. Yeah. Thank you so much more for that than the J.J. Watt stuff from last segment. So what what do you think the biggest home field advantage is for the Buccaneers this week, given that they're not going to have a full stadium? And who knows? Maybe the Chiefs fans would have overrun the stadium just That's, like they overran the one farther south in Florida last year. Right. I would have bet on that. I would have. I, I, I thought, you know, I, that was something I was thinking of. Like Just because you're the home team, as, you, as we both know, Super Bowl is up for grabs. It has nothing to do with, you know – you know, where, where the team's at or nobody gets extra tickets. It's usually a very corporate crowd. And then, okay, do those fan bases want to come in and buy, you know, tickets off of StubHub and do all those type of things and try to dominate, you know, the stadium that way. I, I, I would say out of the two things, I think are the three things you mentioned, the locker room, maybe that's probably where I'd look at it or just being in your own stadium. I think that's an advantage. The, the friendly confines of your own stadium. You know, as a quarterback and as a football player, you know, every stadium on the – every field 
and stadium has a different look and feel, and the sight lines are different. That's one thing for a quarterback that's, that is important. You can get to a stadium, you know, one week where, let's say it's Jerry's World, and it's big and vast, and, you know, the stands are, you know, wide open in some spots behind that, and you could feel like, man, this, this field feels gigantic. This feels huge. And then you could go up to Lambeau Field and everything's so tight and close where you could be like, I think I could throw this 100 yards on this. Is this a 100-yard field? You, you, it, it almost feels smaller that way. So things like that do play into their advantage too, just feeling comfortable. Oh, the sun's here, the sun's there, the lights of the stadium. That probably to me is the biggest advantage the, the Bucks have, even over the locker room. Does it become a factor at all that it's jarring, that it's different, like it looks so unusual in comparison to the normal home game? While whether it's approaching the stadium with the concrete barriers and the perimeter and just everything feels different. You get inside the stadium, it feels different. There's different banners, there's different signs. There's like you said, it just yeah. it does it does it put you off at all, do you think? Because yeah, we're in our stadium, but this looks nothing like our stadium usually looks. Well, I I I I, listen, I haven't played in many Super Bowls, all right? So I can't speak to that. I could speak to one experience in my life that I had like that, a home playoff game in Tampa where, okay, the stadium was definitely decorated a little different. Everybody had, like, you know, Buccaneer flags, and they were – so you knew it was a different day and there was a different energy. But I, I don't I don't think it's any different than, you know – you know, coming home every day and then all of a sudden you come home on a day where your your wife and your whatever your family's gonna throw a big party and you go, Oh, okay, it's just spruced up a little bit. I'm still home, but it's a little different today. I don't think it's gonna affect the play, is what I'm saying. I think it actually will probably excite them to be like, Man, look at our stadium. It looks really cool. This feels big time and it'll add to the energy of the game. We need to get points bet to generate odds on one of the two quarterbacks throwing the football into the, the, hole the hole in one of the cannons in the ship. Hey, right? the you Chris might Sims. be Mahomes and Brady, but you ain't Chris Sims throwing to the Buccaneer ship. <laughs> Pete's going to ask, let's call it the Chris Sims Memorial cannon shot. <laughs> right, right. Let's do that. Yes, all right? yes I um, like that. <laughs> all right. They could reach uh, it, that's uh, for sure. I'm surprised more people don't do it to where you score in that end zone. Those two, I mean, Mahomes, he could probably throw it over the pirate ship and out of the stadium. Right, but it's arm strength is one thing, yeah. accuracy is the other. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I I would say Brady, but some of those passes last week. Well, as long as nobody's about to hit him, he'll have a chance to put it <laughs> yeah. accurately. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to compensate for the fact that no one else other than us will say that Tom Brady wasn't very good on Sunday in the second half. First yeah. half, great. Second half, not. But uh, yeah, got to put it in the hole in the cannon to complete the Chris Sims Memorial Cannon shot. Um, all right. Scotty Miller was on with Dan Patrick yesterday, and he he said something interesting. So let's let's uh, defer to DP and Scotty Miller, and we'll react on the other side. How how would you do if you and Tyreek Hill lined up? Oh, I'm I'm taking me every day of the week. Um, I'll take me over anybody. Tyreek is unbelievable, uh, super quick, unbelievable talent. But if we're talking about race, I mean, I got all the confidence in myself against going up against anybody. That's, a, that's an interesting take, man. You got to have confidence in yourself, though. I'll give him that. Okay. But uh, Tyreek is already commented, by the way. He said good for him. How motivating is this for you, Patrick, and the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I think you're more motivating uh, on yourself and being in the Super Bowl. If you're not ready to play for the Super Bowl, I don't think you, uh, you're you going to get ready. So, uh uh, he is a fast dude. He's a great, great receiver. Um, but uh, I, I like my, I like my guy. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I love bulletin board material because I love to hear all the people say that that stuff doesn't matter when, in fact, it does matter. I don't think Scotty Miller saying I could beat Tyreek Hill in a race changes a damn thing for anyone. No. It's not going to make Tyreek Hill run any faster. Gee, Tyreek, if you just tried a little harder, maybe you'd be even faster than you are. No, right. All it means is Scotty Miller, you know, he said something that will never be unproven. Well, are they going to race? I'd pay for it. I'd go five ninety nine, maybe nine ninety nine, 
for a paper. Hey, 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 Scotty hey, Miller hey, hey. Tyree it's Kill been racing. it's been unproven. It's already been unproven. Until he can run a slant route like I saw last week or one of these punt returns <laughs> or one of these speed sweeps where he weaves around the field and everybody else looks like they're an amateur, then oh. I'll start having a real conversation about, whoa, Scotty Miller might be a – he's fast. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're not, we're not yeah. talking about a race through an obstacle yeah. course. We're talking about straight line speed. And There's I, a difference between straight line speed and all of the weaving and the suddenness and the acceleration. And sure. The guys around. Sure. Like they're, you know, like they're on ice skates. I, I, yep. I don't give a – Damn, what kind of race it is? Weaving straight ahead, <laughs> you know, running with one leg. I'm taking Tyreek all day. And you're right. It's not going to ma matter with anything in the game, but, like, it might energize him during the game. Like, the first time he breaks down the Buccaneers sidelines for a 60-yard touchdown, he'll probably be shooting the deuce to Scotty Miller or saying something to him. It'll be more something like that than anything. But you're right. It's not true bulletin board material. The only way Miller would have a chance, short of food poisoning or some other foul play, would be like a tortoise in the hair type of a thing where Tyreek Hill is so overconfident he just he just doesn't take it seriously and right at the finish line, here comes Scotty Miller. That's the we, only chance. We we know too Miller many all time football all time football people, right? You, you and I. We've had this Rodney Harrison, Tony Dungy, other people. And, I mean, Coach Dungy's commented before that Tyreek is definitely one of the two or three fastest guys he's ever seen in his life. He's been around a long time on a lot of good teams and a yep. lot of good football players. And I think that kind of puts it in perspective. All right. A very truncated airing of grievances when PFT Live continues right after this. All right. Uh, Michael Thomas on uh, – Social media recently, he got into a thing with Carlton Davis of the Buccaneers because there's a narrative out there that all Michael Thomas does is catch slant passes. And Michael Thomas's tweets in response and in the context of that, they, they seem to throw a little shade at Drew Brees, Chris. A little bit of uh, just a, a, little, a little shade at Drew Brees, talking about, you know, quarterback not getting the ball down the field. If, if, if the DB knows the quarterback can't throw deep, they're, they're going to play aggressive underneath with safety help over the top. And, look, I, 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 people have made a big deal about this. All this tells me is Michael Thomas knows what everyone else knows. Drew Brees isn't coming back. If Drew Brees was coming back, Michael Thomas wouldn't be saying these things. Well, he tried to save himself a little bit with, like, the safety over the top uh, talk there, like trying to say, oh, the safety's there too, that's why, which, which isn't necessarily true. But this is going to be something to watch next next year. Carlton Davis is one of the rising stars at the corner position. Michael Thomas doesn't back down from anybody. Uh, but you know, I don't know what Thomas stopped his his Twitter account too. Right, went private on us. Took it private. Took it private. Learned a lesson. Yes. We'll see if he's even with the Saints next year. I think that's in play as well. More PFT live right after this. <laughs> 